This is episode number six. Commit to your dreams with Lisa Galindo. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we start today's episode, I want you to stop what you're doing and ask yourself, am I living the life of my dreams? If you're not, then I highly recommend you listen to today's guest. She's a life coach here in Austin, Texas, who believes that the ability to take control of your life all boils down to self-awareness. Without further ado, please welcome Lisa Galindo. Hi, Lisa. thank you for having me here. Thank you, it's a pleasure. So I figured, um, you know, let's start off by you briefly sharing how you came across your purpose, and then from there we can dig deeper into your life and all the things that triggered you to get to where you are today. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your coaching background and how you found that why. Okay, so how did I find my coaching background? Well, you know, I believe it's been like a process in the making. Um, I was, someone actually asked me a very similar question to that one. Um, So I'm kind of like cheating. (laughs) But, you know, um, where I am today, well, I think a lot I owe it to my um, adoptive parents. At a young age, they... um, you know, really shared the word of helping community, helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in an organization called Rotary. It's an international organization, and their purpose, um, the mission of that organization, is to helping others in need. So, like, I remember being nine, and my father, you know, the president of this organization, and, and, and that is where, like, they were planting seeds, in the family without even realizing until like a year older, but they're already planting seeds of, you know, what it was to give back to the community, helping those less in need. And, and then fast forward, you know, I, I go into college and I stumble into tutoring and mentoring jobs. Mm -hmm. And so it's all like, you know, it's like the values that my parents were instilling as I go, you know, I go to college, I realize, oh my God, like it's all connected. You coming know, together. It's coming together. It's like, I'm, uh, my purpose is to help others. Um, yes, I had great mentors who encouraged me then to mentor, you know, students and, and that's where um, my love for helping others. So then, you know, I'm here, I'm in college, you know, I was in my 20s. I graduated with my bachelor's, and I'm thinking, like, what do I want to do for my master's? I wasn't too sure, but I decided to go, uh, you know, to do a master's in family studies. I wasn't very, like, mm-hmm. satisfied with that, but I said, well, let's give it a try. So I did. Well, being there in the master's program, I realized, like, I don't like this. This is so boring. I was like, oh my God. Like, Time to try something new. Yes. Mm-hmm. And something in me was like, no, this is not for me. Um, interesting enough, I meet, she's not one of my best friends, and a life coach. She, as I was ready to leave the master's program, I was also getting ready to leave to France with now my husband. 
And she was going into the path of life coaching. But right before I was going to leave to France, I was already kind of making that transition of what do I do? I remember even sending an email to my friends of like this list. Hey, guys, can you help me? Like, what do you think is my next step? Now I think about it. I'm like, why did I do that? Like, but, you know, I think I was looking for some guidance. Um, what life coaching was really ringing a bell. And then when I was in France, in Paris, I meet this group of ladies, <laughs> Paris Women of Success, and it turns out the majority of them were life coaches. Oh, wow. It's almost as like all the things were directing me to that point. And I meet this beautiful lady, Dawn. Um, she became my life coach there, which was also like a mentor to me of like, Lisa, you need to be a life coach, yeah. you know? Um, I said, at that moment, I said, yes, I, I do. I just need to go back to the U.S. Like, I realized that my time in France, mm -hmm. I was like, this is just a temporary thing. And sure enough, I, I get back to the U.S. And I said, I'm going to enroll in a um, life coaching school and so now that's I'm awesome in my life coaching school so it's already been a kind of like a progress can you briefly describe like a couple yeah. steps that people can take for mm -hmm. you know as they're discovering their passion and yeah. their purpose like where can they start and then what, what would be some steps that they can take from there absolutely i think the number one thing i would recommend is self-awareness really uh Tapping into what it is that makes you feel alive, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, and again, it goes to self-awareness. You really have to be really conscious of what gets you happy. What so It's simple things that maybe people think like, oh, you need these big things. No, simple. What makes you happy? Like, what brings your soul on fire? What, what brings happiness? Or if you do one thing... Uh, Figure out how you feel afterwards. Does it drain you or does it uplift you? Simple as that. I think you can start there. Um, what else? What other advice? Um, and I think surround yourself with people who who have already found their purpose. Mm. They can be great mentors. Um, they can they can guide you and they can take you to that next level. And perhaps they can also see any blind spots that you may be missing that is preventing you from Warn you mm -hmm. where you want to go. So yeah, I would say, yeah, surround yourself with, with great people and, and be very self-aware. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you started this and started doing it full time, yeah. I'm assuming there was a time where you thought to yourself, okay, can I actually make it in this? Mm -hmm. And then can I also make money to support myself along the way? Mm -hmm. How difficult of a decision was that? Mm -hmm. And can you t take us briefly through the journey of how you even came about that decision. Okay. So, yes, I'm still, like, in the process of becoming a certified life coach. In January, mm -hmm. I, like, finish, and it's these nine, well, eight months, seven, eight months. You know, I can't do the math, but I'm always close. There's constantly, even to this, there's, there's going to be doubts of, uh, can I do this? I, you know, my biggest thing with life coaching is, like, whatever, I miss people, like, up and my mentor's like, that can't happen. <laughs> so there's always doubts. But, um, oh my God, I forgot the other question. What was your story? The other. When else? did you decide mm -hmm. 
to say, okay, I'm going to pursue this full time? Mm. And was the, did you ever have any doubts about the fact that how am I going to make this into a full time living? Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think I, I think I, once I became clear of this is what I want to do and this is what I'm good at and this is my purpose, I don't think I have any doubts. Like, mm-hmm. this is, like, really, this is, this is it. I, um, this is what I want to do. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's take it back a little bit. Your, your brother was on here just, you know, the last episode, and he briefly told us about his side of the upbringing and his relationship with both parents. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, where you guys started, um, how you guys got adopted and how you viewed adoption at the time? Whoa, that is one big like question, but like, uh, <laughs> so, oh, my brother, love him to death. Um, uh, we were adopted, let's see, I was three, my brother was five. Um, it's been, all I can say is it's been a journey, um, of, uh, just like a, literally like a roller coaster but for the for the better mm-hmm. um we were adopted so uh, we lived in the fort worth dallas area that's where and interestingly enough i was just there on wednesday i hadn't been there since i was mm-hmm. born so it was kind of brought up a lot of memories but um we were adopted because my mother my adoptive parents from what i understand she couldn't have kids and she already had a, a, a daughter, Lily, which is my, mm-hmm. my sister. And they wanted they wanted a sister for Lily. Um, then I always think, like, our good looks got us, you know, got us where we are. <laughs> my brother and I, it's a joke, but my, my mom went to see me, like, went to see me, and they told her, or actually, I think there was a book. Let's go back. There was a book, and it's kind of sad, there's a book of like all the kids that are waiting to be adopted. And my mom saw me and she thought, oh, she's really cute. I, like, I, I want to know more about her. That's when they tell my mom, well, she has a brother. Mm-hmm. My mom, being the big-hearted lady adoptive mom um, that she is, um, was like, well, I can't separate them. Well, let's take both of them. Mm-hmm. And mind you, she always does this. When she goes and adopts a dog, she comes with two. <laughs> she always says that, yeah. So she has a, a really big heart. So they en- ended uh, getting us together, Jose and I. And for that, I am eternally grateful because Jose was like my little—I um, say little because I was like little caregiver. He mm-hmm. was my not, he was like my brother, uh, brother, but I always felt like, um, but he had like a sense, like, kind of a maternal and paternal role at such a young age, you know, taking care of me. And, um, yeah, and my biological mother was from Central America. She came to the U.S. um, for, I don't know what reasons. You know, I hear stories, but I don't want to, it's like I want to believe them, but I don't want to believe them because Mm -hmm. I never heard them from her. But she really couldn't take care of us, you know, and that's why we were separated and put into the foster system. Mm. So we were separated. I I don't think she wanted to give us up. But looking back, I think it was the best decision. I feel that if you don't have the economic resources 
and like you're not in that uh, position where you can help yeah, and help them grow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing is to to give them up, and and that's what happened. Um, and then the whole process of adoption. Well, I can speak on like what I ex- I experienced. It was hard. Um, now as I'm older, I talk to my mom and I realize like a lot of things. I would throw like tantrums, but I think it was like a rage. Mm-hmm. Well, because I couldn't process like all those feelings mm-hmm. that the loss, like you're little, you, your emotional capacity, you're still not mature, you know, to figure out an awareness to figure out like what's going on. So I would have a lot of emotional outbursts from what my mom told me, and I do remember you have to put me in the shower sometimes to calm me down because I was mm-hmm. just like, and I, <laughs> I was only passionate. I can see that, you know. Um, but yeah, um, and and I think that also the bonding with my mom wasn't there. I, I kind of feel bad. Like now, maybe because I'm getting closer to becoming a mother, I I feel for my mom because I'm I'm sure that must have been hard. Oh my god, but um. You know, it just, uh, there's just so much that would happen, you know, that was happening as a, as a little girl. And, you know, my parents did the best that they could. And for a long time, I was upset at my mom. But I think it had a lot to do with my my biological mom. Like, all those mm-hmm. issues I had with her, I probably projected them onto my, my real mom. Um, fast forward now, I think with time, time I think is the best thing. A lot of things have healed within me, within my, I would say my mom, my dad, the family, and I'm in a good place with them. And I hope, to, awesome. and I hope to say like That's that. Awesome. Yeah. What are you most proud of since being adopted? That I have persevered that I persevered and you know you hear a lot of things about adoptions and I'm negative I'm like what is it with me that I think it's almost society has set us up to fail mm. that's what I hear you know I never hear like the positive of, of adoptees or you just hear one side or either mm-hmm. the bad or or like oh when you get adopted it always is like that rosy and pinky and it's like you're forgetting another <laughs> side um but I think for me, it's just persevered and that I've been able, you know, that I feel successful, that I'm, I'm in a good place. And so, definitely. so you've obviously um, been brought up by a family that gave you, you know, a good life and mm-hmm. mentorship and everything. Mm-hmm. Why is it important for you to give to others? Um, hmm. Because... Well, if we get into like quantum physics and energy, everything is energy in this mm-hmm. world. And what you put out there is what you give back. So it's this like reciprocated energy of like it, a lot. The way I see it, there's been so much goodness happening in my life. Now, as a good, <laughs> a lawful citizen, I, I get to give back to others and. And it's a beautiful thing to give to others. Like, it really is. I feel it's even more, like, it's generous. There's just this, like, humbling thing about giving, giving back. And, yeah. Were you always a giver? 
think so. Well, that's a good question. I don't know. Or the, can you think of a transition yeah. that you had to make when you were just take, 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 and then you said, okay, that's enough. Yeah. I need to give back. Yeah. Trying to think. Well, I was maybe giving because <laughs> I was forced to, you know, in the sense like my mom, you know, the whole, okay, we're going to go do this. I was already, that is a great question. I, I have never like thought about it. I think I gave him to the capacity that it could. Now I'm a lot more conscious and aware. But I think I think I've always been a natural like giver, a taker too. But uh, <laughs> you need both. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's ever been. Uh, I've always yeah. I've always been a giver. I have. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You think I have? Do you have any recommendations for people who are maybe trying to become givers? Like what? I mean, obviously the first step is you have to give. Yes. But is there something that you have to accept internally? before you can do that? Yes, that's actually a really good question because um, give for the right reasons. I do notice a lot of people give and expecting something in return. Mm. And and something that I noticed and someone close to me, I'd always uh, tell them, you know, if you're doing do it, do it because you want to, not because you have to. There's a big difference with you give because you want to give, not because you, someone forced you. It feels different. I'll tell you this. When someone gives you something and you, it's like genuine, you feel it. But when you, someone gives you something and there's like an underlying feeling there of like, well. Expect something expect bad. Expect you can also feel that. Yes. So give for the right reasons, I would say. And give, give, just give it purely without anything in return because people will feel that <laughs> believe me interesting yes so. i've always been curious about that because you know as part of my upbringing that's how i was so when i was younger and i was living in russia um there was actually a pretty crucial point that i hit i don't remember what age but i was um mm. i was playing chess with my mother's boyfriend yeah. And he, that was really, I think, the first time when I learned how to give. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was so much in my life to that stage, which is survival. You know, it's just, yeah. I'm sure as you guys have experienced, it's mm-hmm. figuring out how to get from one day to the next. Yeah. And I think when you're put in a setting like that, mm-hmm. it's much harder to give because you don't have mm-hmm. tangible things to give. You can give, you know, love and things like that. But mm-hmm. if you're trapped in the, Kind of like, okay, how do I get from today to tomorrow? Then it's much harder. Yeah, and you're not in that mindset of... Like, giving comes from a very, I think, even a peaceful place. But if you're, mm. like you said, in a very fight or fight or just mm-hmm. survival mode, it doesn't give you that space to be like, well, how can I give, you know? Like, just because I want to give. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's awesome. So you spoke a lot about service, mentorship, yes. leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously all the characteristics that you need in order to be successful in your area. What defines a great leader? What defines a great leader? Hmm. These are good questions. (laughs) A great leader. I think someone, I would say, 
you have to think of it's I don't know why this comes to my mind but you know and I wrote this on Facebook the other day, but lead with your heart, not your ego. I think that makes a good leader. Mm. If you're, it's like you're leading with your heart, not only are you going to be taking care of your well-being, you can also take care of the people with you. And a leader, I think, a good leader doesn't think himself as like separate, but like together, like you're like a team. I think that's one thing. Um, a few other things I would say, a good listener, but not just the listener to, to hear, but to listen. There's a difference, mm. you know, uh, to listen to what the group or your people need. Um, so a good listener and being, and that then takes you to, you, you are able to see what the, the people, your team needs. Um, what else? I think compassion and kindness also. I think to me that would make a good leader. And uh, being being kind, but being also like like firm. You know, you don't want to be a pushover either, but you want to stand your ground. So I think those are some of the things that are coming up for me. That makes a good leader. Mm -hmm. Who do you look up to as great leaders in today's world? Oh, well. Um, I think of my sister. She's actually a great leader. I don't even mm. know she knows that is the worst part. She's such a great leader. And she's come from like being this shy girl to, she, you know, she has a good position at the university and she oversees, I think, like 15 people. And the, the story she tells me and the way she handles things, I think I'm like, Lily, you're a great leader. I'm like, and she's, She's a, just a very like, kind person, but still hold her ground. So I think I admire her for that. Really. And then in the bigger scale, I love Obama. Mm -hmm. love, I actually got to see him close. He went to the University of New Mexico where he studied, mm -hmm. and I got to see him really close. So That's awesome. I don't know. There's just something That's about awesome. him. Yeah, I miss him. <laughs> okay, so you, you, and you bring up a very good point So mm -hmm. you, with your sister. Mm -hmm. Um, you think that she's a great leader, mm -hmm. but you don't know if she recognizes that. Mm -hmm. Should everyone be a leader? Should everyone be a leader? Um, well, the question is, can everyone be a leader? Yeah. I don't, I don't think everyone can be a leader, no. You can develop some skills. Well, that, that's a tricky question, right? Because I do think... Some people might have some really good um, like skills that can be sharpened and perhaps can take you to be a great leader. It just depends. I think to in, meet in, the your, in your in your <laughs> sister's case, yes. you know, she she's a leader, but she may not recognize it. Yeah. Do you think that those who are leaders have to, in a way, label? themselves as leaders mm -hmm. or can they lead without that so in her case can she be who she is without formally acknowledging that I'm a leader in X Y and Z but rather I'm just living my life and it just happens to be so that I I lead others yeah I mean it really is a personal choice it's maybe I know in lately she's very like very humble very like uh, 
she won't toot her own horn, so I could see how she's very like, I'm a leader, but everyone recognizes, yet she doesn't label it. I think it really boils down to like personal, how everyone, and like I think of my friend, um, one of my good friends, she's an extrovert, and she she always says, I'm a leader, but that's who she is too. That's part of her personality. She's extroverted. My sister's introverted a bit, so it, it depends. Uh, whatever feels right to you at the end is what go for that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you spoke a lot about your passion and what you're doing <clears throat> and how you develop it. Mm-hmm. Um, what fuels your passion? Your passion? What feels like passion? Um, getting to know that I'm gonna help people and to like people <laughs> really in general. I weird. I like work. I love working with people. I love um, hearing people's stories. I love just people are so interesting. They're like amazing creatures. <laughs> they so really, what feels my passion is, and you know, knowing that I'm gonna work with people, knowing that. Um, we get to create worlds together. I think that's part of my life coaching is we create worlds together. We don't we don't see each other as like I'm the coach and the client, but we like this um, what's the word uh, co partnership. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the beauty of all this. Um, so really, when I'm gonna work with people gets me. Actually, the days that I don't work with any of my clients, I am really like mopey. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, we had something. Can you take us through a daily routine? I'm curious to know how you prepare yourself for, you know, not only clients, but just how do you get in the mindset of, I want to give, I want to attract, you know, the right people with the same mindsets. Like, what do you do on a daily basis to do that? Well, let me tell you. One, I had to develop self-discipline, which I lacked. Maybe I had it, but just I needed to really work at being disciplined but in my day there's a few practices every good coach should have or we get to have and one of them is um, meditation Um, do I do it every day I would be lying if I say I do it every day I don't but sometimes even going for a walk with my dog just getting fresh air that clears my mind Um, exercising definitely you know, the endorphins, you know, it gets the endorphins going, and I think that also helps your brain, like, expand, open, whatever. Um, What else? Eating well. Mm -hmm. Eating is, you know, we underestimate the power of food, and if you're putting bad things in there, you're going to feel shitty. (laughs) So I I think those are a few of the things that um, I do. But before every session, I try to mentally be, like, organized. Like, kind of visualize, like, how I want the session to go. But also holding a bit of flexibility of, like, because as humans, uh, each day, you know, every hour uh, varies. So I I know that my client could not want to work on something specifically with coaching, but maybe it's just to vent. So I just have to... Come in with a mind of like, okay, a bit of structure, but this could go any other way. So mm-hmm. let's be open. Um, and what else? And I also take deep breaths before my, before uh, some of you know, before my session. Mm-hmm. And I do. 
Yeah, to calm me. I also, I have my little desk and I have like um, a bamboo, a little orchid, some candles, my little crystal thing. So I kind of set the space. So I can feel it and I, I think maybe energetically they feel it too. So um, organizing my desk to a way that it feels good for both me and, and my clients. Interesting. So it sounds like a lot of that is based off of the skills you learned when you were younger. So adaptability, mm-hmm. trusting yourself. Yeah. Um, I didn't, thanks for pointing that out. I didn't realize that that could have also yeah. triggered some, some of the yeah. skills that you have right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are you most excited for and what are you most afraid of? What am I most excited for? Oh my God. So many things get me happy. <laughs> What excites, well, I could tell you, like, in January, I graduate, and that's a big thing for me, because it's been one of my goals for, like, the past four years of getting my certification to be a life coach, and and then knowing that I chose a really good school, like, just brightens my day, um, that excites me, <laughs> so in January, that will be happening, also that my practice is growing, it's mm-hmm. just a year old, but still, I feel like, I feel like there's something big happening you know uh, I'm getting new clients attracting you know these amazing clients really uh, I feel it's a pleasure to work with them they teach me a lot also about mm-hmm. myself and they're reflections of me too which sometimes they say stuff I'm like Did they hear my conversation <laughs> you know like it's it's surreal um what else yeah so my graduation then my practice is growing um that what brings you the most joy in life? Oh, well, I would say my family, my family. So that that and family, it's like I put a lot of people in my family. So it's like my family, my husband's family, because now they become my, you know, we're family. Mm-hmm. My friends, and doing what I love. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that um, that like that bring me the most joy, really. Simple. <laughs> and what are you? What are you most afraid of? I think losing the people that I love. It goes back to family. Losing the people that I love and um, being alone. Mm. Being alone. Yeah. So tell tell us briefly why you're afraid of losing the people that you love. Mm-hmm. What do you think could happen mm-hmm. that it would trigger such an event? Well, it, I think losing the people that I love is because I've already lost people that I love. So I know that is one of the most profound feelings, I think, not only me, but every human being. Um, uh, you know, if they've ever experienced, it's, it's really it's, it's deep, it's deep, and uh, I don't wish that upon anyone. Um, I think it just triggers things from, from when I was little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a very sad, it was a very sad time in the past. Um, and then, what was the other question? Um, so you said losing the people that you yeah. love, and then the second Be- thing? Being alone. Being alone. Being alone. Again, it goes back, I think it, it could also go back to abandonment issues. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Being abandoned. Those, and I'm sure... Uh, adoptees could relate you know we 
I don't know if, it, if that ever goes away, those, uh, those abandonment issues. I still get triggered by them, like, at least once or twice every week. By if something happens, I get triggered. Hmm. How do you deal with it? Um, one, again, self-awareness. Once I feel that, uh, like, I feel I'm being left alone or it's then going back and like, why am I, and actually I can even share something if this could help anyone. My husband has been sick all this week and he's my rock, like emotionally, uh, physically, he's my man, my rock. And because he's sick, I feel he's not there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're sick, you, you kind of check out because you have to tend to your body. So that made me feel like, like, I felt, one, like, almost abandoned and rejected. Like, mm-hmm. you know, start, starting to pick fights with him. And that's when I know something's happening. And he knows, he's like, what's happening? Because he's like, you're starting to pick a fight with me. So that's kind of like my, it's like the trigger and the reminder of, like, there's something happening inside me. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's go see what's happening. And then, it, and then I figured out that it was triggering my, like, abandonment issues. Wow. Yeah. So this is a question we ask all of our guests. Um, when odds are completely against you, what are some fundamental principles that you rely on? Oh, that is a very deep question. When the odds are against me, what are some fundamental, what was that? Fundamental principles, principles that you rely on. Well, I think I said it earlier, one of them, the first, perseverance. I think you need to really, it's like pushing through. Mm. You know, we just stand there, do nothing, like the world around is going to collapse, but if you push through, like build a new, build a new world. Mm-hmm. I would say perseverance. Um, what else? Do you think everyone is capable of doing that? I think like building so. a new world? Yes, absolutely. I do wholeheartedly. If if I can have been able to do it, if my brother has been able to do it, my sister's been able to do it. Yes. Everyone has it in them. Another thing for me, willpower. Mm. Willpower. Really wanting it. And it comes from inside. I don't think that's something you, you like go and buy it or it comes internally, like really wanting to. And uh, commitment, I think I would also say a level of commitment, not only to yourself, but maybe to everyone else around you as well. Yeah. Those are the three things that are coming up for me. Interesting. Yeah. So with commitment, mm-hmm. um, Do you think, you know, a lot of people, once they figure out their passion, Mm -hmm. the next thing they do is they want to figure out the how. Mm. Would you say the how is the commitment in that instance? Mm. Yes, absolutely. Once you get clear on what you want to do, the next thing is you have to 100% commit to it. Mm. And, And it's not like 50, 75, it's 100. And let me tell you, I've not always been this commitment. Again, it could be whatever x y reasons but through this my coaching program actually learned like commitment 
like how fundamentally it is important that you commit. And if you, you know, kind of stray away, you say, I will recommit. Actually, just yesterday I told one of my I'm like, I am recommitting because I felt like I kind of went mm-hmm. out. I'm like, okay, back in the game. 100% commitment. So, yes, absolutely. Commitment is 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 the glue that'll I think hold whatever you know your your goal or your vision is. What do you think helps people make that decision? So I know that you just said briefly, you know, it's not mm-hmm. it's more than committing to yourself, but it's also mm-hmm. committing to other people. Mm-hmm. In your case, it's mm-hmm. serving others. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? Could help others, or is it truly as simple as me saying, "Okay, I'm going to start doing this," and not necessarily involve the environment as part of the decision-making process? Mm, okay, I see where you're getting at. Um, what I'm hearing is like the, you have to have a support. Yes, you do mm-hmm. have to have a support. Yes, um, yes, it's commitment, but also you. I think every successful person will tell you they didn't do it on their own. You know, there's no way. You have to have a group of people um, really having your back, you know. Like, I always feel, and, and they taught us this in, at the coaching school, like, you take care of this, but then there's going to be people, like, who takes care of your back, you know. Mm. It, and then it put things into perspective, and it's like, yeah, that's why we, we need, uh, you know, all, you know, I think of Oprah and all these successful, uh, wonderful people, and they'll tell you they have a, a big team behind them. And so you definitely, definitely need people who are your supporters, who are rooting for you. I, I'm very lucky to have that at the moment. Hmm. Great, great team behind me. Uh, final thought, what's the one thing that you would like our listeners to take away from today's talk? Hmm. Or multiple things, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> well, one that anything is possible in this life. Um, even if you've had bad moments, um, because we've all had bad moments. It's like sometimes we feel we're the only people that have had bad moments. No, all of us have had bad moments. And that you can push through and... Um, Figure out a way to push through those like bad moments because it's like through those breakthrough moments that you'll figure like you'll be on the other side and it'll be a lot nicer than you know that kind of dark area that sometimes we we tend to get stuck for a bit and um, yeah that anything is possible in this world like we we all get to be successful and and really. In our own ways, um, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, success, everyone defines it the way that they want to define it. And uh, yes, you get to build it, the dream, you know, of your life, you know. With, with what does what success mean to you? Mm, success. You know, um, success means to me being happy. Being happy, uh, being at peace. And being, I would even say being kind. To me, that means success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That to me is being, uh, yeah, and I would even say, I would add to the mix, love, like having love. 
you know, so it's like being successful. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So how do people find you? How do people find about your work? Um, all the different ways they can connect with you. So you can uh, shoot me an email. I have an email. It's at coaching at lisamgatingo.com. Mm -hmm. Can people find you on Facebook, Instagram, any other yes. platform? Um, I'm on Facebook, um, Lisa Galindo, and my new maiden last name, mm -hmm. R-O-U-Q-U-E-T. Mm. And then at Instagram at uh, Coaching with Lisa. That's awesome. Yes, yes. And one one link will take you to another one. So that's the cool thing about social media. And my apologies for having a moment with my uh -huh. website. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you. It was you. a pleasure. It's a really fun sharing, uh, you know, just sharing stuff. <laughs>